From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Innovators radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned thought leaders, founders, and game changers committed to ideas, innovation, and entrepreneurship well executed. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggle, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes purpose-driven entrepreneurs and game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by executive producer of Stanford Athletics, Beyond the Champions, radio show, and principal of Podfather Media, Tom Dioro. KZSU, Stanford University's RefM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world, the entire world, at kzsu.org. For our guest today, I'd like to welcome David Crouch, founder and president of TikTok Club. TikTok stands for Today's Investment Commitment, Tomorrow's Optimal Commodity. TikTok is an organization founded in 2015 to educate students in the financial field and help guide Generation Z along a path to financial literacy and fiscal success. Their goal is to help students earn enough money so they can pay for a college education at any university of their choice. 50% of the funds raised go to a nonprofit. When people put in the time to learn, TikTok Club has proven to help members be top tier in the financial field of choice. Here are several disciplines, stocks, derivatives, forex, real estate, cryptocurrency, banking, brokering, investment, banking, etc. You can find them on the web. Feel free to visit tiktokclub.com. Again, that's tiktokclub.com. Hello, David. Super honored and excited to have you on the Innovators Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. David, we like to start our show off with a a quote, an axiom that uh, really means much to you. And uh, I know what yours is, but share with our audience what uh, your motto is. So I live by the motto that the worst thing that anybody can ever say to you is no. And how is that? Like the worst thing? Like after no, what is there? It's nothing. You just move on and you go about your day and you look for the next opportunity. How long have you been living by that that background? Seven years. Seven years. Do you remember the day? Like, hey, this is when it really hits you. Were you watching something? A parent? Family? What was it that got you to yeah. re- resonate with it? I mean, I, I just started asking questions, I think, and just looking for opportunities, reaching out to CEOs and business people and seeing what they would say. You know, nobody ever told me and taught me how to really um, go find someone to, or make opportunities. So I thought, you know, I'll just message the CEO. And then well, most of the time they'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Most of the time. And if they say no, what do they usually do? Do they still at least even direct you somewhere to where you're looking? Sometimes, but, you know, a lot of the time they might just not look at it or ignore it. But, you know, you're not going to just wait for somebody to respond. You're always going to keep looking for opportunity, even if somebody doesn't respond right away. And if they end up responding later, great. Then you have an opportunity in front of you. How about the inspiration for TikTok Club? So my inspiration was um, I didn't have a college fund and I saw my dad trading on the computer one day and there was a lot of red. He lost a lot of money from my college fund and that's why it wasn't existent. You know, 2008 really hit my family hard. 
Um, he was in the hospital and everything too for a while, and we had to use that money that was remaining to pay for his hospital expenses. So um, I saw on the computer one day there was a lot of red, and I teased him, and I said, hey, Dad, that's a lot of red you got there. So he said, well, why don't you try it yourself, Hotshot? So he gave me $1,000, and I made enough that year in eighth grade to pay for um, a semester or two at any university that I wanted to attend, and I thought, hey, you know, why don't I teach my friends this? And then, so we started the initial group with 10 people and we just took off from there. So 10 people and you, you decided, now was this primarily stocks, if not exclusive? Um, It was primarily stocks at the time, but then we just kept expanding and looking how every markets would overlap with each other. And there's a lot more synergy than people might think. So now in our curriculum, we teach everything from stocks to bonds, to options, to real estate, to Forex, to credit default swaps and mortgage-backed securities even. Did you feel it inside? Like, I I think I got this, or is it a point of where you're just interested? It sounds like the mastery of it too. It is the mastery because, you know, the money's fun and all, right? But it's it's a very interesting concept that you're able to just kind of generate money out of thin air with skilled placements of where you put it. And I, I just find that fascinating overall and seeing how there's just different opportunities within the market. Touching back on that word, that mastery word, I think it might be a good thing for a good part of your show, is what motivates you? personally to keep doing this um you know i really want to help everyone in my group to get them where they need to be because i really believe in servant leadership and that if you're doing the same work as everyone else and pushing them to where they need to be that it'll end up pushing you even higher in the long run than if you were just doing things on your own and for your own benefit yeah like that sir is it servant or servants service servant okay servant leader can you dive in a little bit what that means for the audience who may have It means that as the CEO, I'm working to make sure that my employees as well as my members are all doing better in the long run than I might be. Well, I think that I'll do better in the long run with everybody else doing better in the long run. (laughs) Yeah. So you're you're living your teaching. Correct. Because I'm learning at the same time, but then I directly put all my, what I learn, I basically chop that down and I make it in a simple, chewable version for everybody else so that they don't have to endure all the hard stuff and the labor that I went through. Can you share with us uh, what you and I talked about in our digital green room about um, we use a university that why aren't they teaching what it is that you're now making available at university level? I don't think that they necessarily want everyone to be financially literate in fields like this. I think they want people to be studious workers and fit into boxes and go into a regular working job to just fill middle America. They're not necessarily trying to train everyone to be at the top Um, because now a lot of it comes down to control, I think, at the end of the day and where they want people to be. And if they keep people in that middle area, then that allows them to grow higher. But my ideology is a little different. I think that if you make people financially literate, that there's more money in the market. And if people understand economics, right, the more money that's in the market and the more that's more velocity for a currency, right? The higher the velocity goes, the higher the currency value goes, which lifts up our market as well as all of our equities. What do you think of, of uh, if that change can happen? What, what has to happen in order to do it or if it's even possible at this point? 
Oh, I think it's 100% possible. We just need to start okay. fixing the education system and teaching things that are needed to become successful in fields like that. Because most, most people in the finance industry, they don't, a lot of them, like research analysts on Wall Street, they don't know even my basic course. Like they don't know what would be brought about in lesson one. And I, I think that's a, appalling in my opinion. Um, there's just simple things that aren't taught and people basically go in and kind of learn for themselves and get brought up over a six-year period when I can teach all that in less than a year. How did you, at what point did you realize this is a marketable package or in a workshop that you can reach out and, and educate people with? Was there a moment or moments? I started seeing my students doubling their accounts within a couple months and even in some rare cases, a couple of weeks couple of weeks oh my God. and what is your uh the learning on this because it seems like it's pretty infinite um you, although you might be doing well now it seems like there really is no end to this compound growth oh there's not you know i think that well right at the moment we have 52 weeks that are built out but for total every time i learn something new and every time i find a new concept it's a adaptive curriculum i always go back in i add something new i'll take something out that i think is not as helpful or might um, damage somebody's investing i'll take that out and i'll put in stuff that will help and i'll just keep adapting the curriculum and building new courses and new advanced methods that i find new strategies and just keep building it how do you f uh, <laughs> that must be amazing to to feel that you're you're helping people on a significant level improve not just their physical life but their personal life because so much is tied into your physical uh standing standing correct a thousand percent I like that thousand percent how so in your in your way if you can describe you know what what it's like to see the success of the uh of uh, people who subscribe to the, your workshop and your program. What's that feel like for you as a person? It's it's on a completely other level to just see people succeeding from what you've taught. It's um it's a really rewarding feeling, I'd say, and I think that's the most rewarding thing about what I do is seeing other people succeed and getting the careers that they want, landing the jobs, passing their licensing exams. You know, that's it's just amazing. And it's hard to put into words, really, because, you know, just nurturing someone and helping their career grow from the ground up and seeing what they're capable of as they go through the program. Um, it's just, yeah, amazing. This is amazing as well. You're listening to the Innovators Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with David Crouch, founder and president of TikTok Club. David, that uh, to have that financial literacy what do you, have you experienced to help your uh, uh, your members unlearn, you know, some of the bad or ineffective financial habits that they've uh, they've been practicing? I make everyone start from step one in our course, no matter where they are. If they think they're an expert or um, the king of the world when it comes to investing, if they come to me to make their investing better, they start at step one and the very first lesson like anybody else to make sure that everything is covered and that we reteach them anything that they might know incorrectly. Is there any sort of minimum that a person needs to get involved? I'd say $1,000 to $5,000. Put that into a trading account and you're good to go. I like that. Good to go. You know, you and I've talked before about um, 
I can't re recall specifically what it was, but that there's a minimum to invest, and you're you're looking at seeing how you can either uh, change that, do away with that, or improve on that. What was it like a two hundred twenty-five thousand dollar investment? So that's the prudent day trader rule, which means okay. that you're not allowed to make over seven day trades without twenty-five thousand dollars in your account. And if you do, then they'll lock your account. And if you're like, for example, let's say you messed up on something really quickly and you need to buy back into the trade so you don't lose out on the investment or the swing, um, they won't let you do that. They'll have your account locked down if you don't have $25,000 in it, which I think is pretty paternal, paternalistic to be doing that. How are you looking at changing? I mean, can you, I don't know if it's a secret or, or, <laughs> or, or, or it's something that's a, a process. I've been um, going around teaming up with some people in the industry. I'm um, getting my name out there. I'm um, talking with a bunch of people who are in charge of broker dealers, um, hedge funds, exchanges, things of that nature, and bringing them my opinion and then having them sign on with me. And we're going to approach that legislation with FINRA um, once we think we're ready with um, enough credibility backing us. Yeah, speaking of credibility, you've got a tremendous amount of source of, of people who support you and organizations that support you are you at liberty to share any of them that really helped uh helped you uh, and your organization as well as help even your members um i'd say one organization that really backed me in the beginning was um the international executive council i was the youth ambassador for them and they had people on there who are trade ambassadors um premiers like the premier of the cayman islands trade ambassador for ireland norway scotland finland you know, people from all over with lots of experience, um, big CEOs, um, large tech entrepreneurs, people like that. Um, and just being around environments like that, I think, really shaped me and put me in that mindset that I need to be in. I, I know we also talked about membership, that you're looking to uh, help at least 100,000 members. But the truth is, there's like probably millions and millions of people that can use the, uh, the sort of wisdom that you've not only experience but it sounds like it's also an innate gift would you would you say that or am i reaching a little bit i think that anybody can learn it you know it's it's a very simple concept once people just sit down and try and tackle it um i think that when you're watching cnbc and you see these guys using, using all these big terms there's much easier ways to describe what they're talking about but they don't because they don't necessarily want people to think it's easy. They want it to make it seem like it's hard. Or sometimes I like to even say they have a pissing competition with each other on TV and try and try and seem like the best guy and know what they're talking about. Because, you know, when when you use bigger words to describe something, you're really just trying to act smarter or look look more intelligent to other people. But the real masters are the ones who just really talk casually about it are, and are ex able to explain terms very simply to people. Yeah, you do a really good job of explaining it simply. Is that something that you decided, hey, I got to do that? Or it's just, just your natural personal cadence? Well, that's what I've decided to do because I really want to break down the industry and take take away that curtain of it seeming hard. I really want to make it look easy for everyone because it is, you know. Um, if you just tackle it step by step and just build off of it, it is very simple. It's just you buy into a company, you know, you hold a piece of it, the company does well, your piece gets bigger, you know. It's as simple as that. And most people just try and overcomplicate it. When you overcomplicate things, that's when you start to lose, I think. Where'd you learn that lesson if you have a if you can point? Um I think just with time you learn that trading in the market. The more simply you look at things, um, the easier it is 
when you try and overanalyze or do a bunch of technical analysis or look at a bunch of Fibonacci's, I don't think they're really accurate in the long run. Yeah, on the, along that line of accuracy, it sounds like that's really important for you to do. Well, obviously, it's, you're dealing with numbers, so you have to be. How important is that accuracy, even in addressing new uh, and proven approaches to investing wisely? I think that accuracy is very important and about being a good trader, you just have to really refine your craft and know your sectors and become more and more accurate with understanding the stock trends. And because if you're not, you might lose. But, you know, if you lose, you can't make that the end of the world. You can't just give up. You can't have any of your emotions tied to your investing. You just have to look at that loss and you have to say, okay, well, why did I lose? Write that down and then don't do it again. Right. You add it to your tool chest. And then, you know, you just go from there and you get more accurate as time goes on. How about the, how much do you think that most people's emotions do play in their investments, even if it's not sophisticated in a stock market, but just even their choices of, in a daily life? How, how much do you think, if you've even quantified or just guess, that their I'd emotions... I'd say for the stock market, at least 95% of people trade on emotion. I think it's a very small amount of skilled traders that trade without emotion. And I think in your daily life, um, about, I'd probably say over 60% of your decisions are made with emotion. Is it, so, wow. Is yeah, it built into your course? That out. Yeah. Hmm? Is it built into your course to address that fact? Yes. We teach that in lesson number one. No way. No <laughs> I mean, emotions. I mean, I we have it in you. big, bold letters. Wow. I haven't even seen it, but I'm just thinking, yeah, most people do. I didn't know 95%. That's, that's incredible. That's like almost 10 out of 10 people yep. trade on emotions. How does that affect the market when people are trading just with their emotions? Well, let's look at GameStop, for example. What do you think people were doing there when it was already way too high? People had FOMO or the feeling of missing out, and then they started buying in even though it was way too high and way too overvalued. And now the stocks, look look at it, you know, look at those people who trade on their emotion. The stock has dropped all the way back to 55 today. Me and my guys, we just looked at the situation and we waited because we knew, we saw that it was going to be pumped up, but we weren't going to get hit by any SEC regulation or be tied to that in that way. So when it hit the top and we thought that it was way too high um, and overvalued at um, about $420, we started a short position and leveraged it. Now, is this that... In the most recent example of your uh, experience? Yes. Okay. Currently, we still have a short. Um, we see the stock going to around $30 range by next week. Yeah. So how much, if you can exp give us a, a window or a picture of being a member in your, of the TikTok club, what's it like for someone who just gets involved? Oh, it's great. I mean, people go, we're... On West Coast time, we're up at 6.15 in the morning. We'll be in the Discord calls, wait till the market opens. We'll strategize, look over news articles from the night before with each other. Then once the market or oh, once the market opens, we're trading in the calls and everything like that. Once the market closes, people will go study. They'll look over our course. Um, they'll have some of our more veteran traders walk them through things. And then once they're at a certain point in the courses, they have access to our internship opportunities, job opportunities, and mentors from the International Executive Council. Wow. So you help place them or their skill level places themselves? We help place them. We have them fill out a couple questionnaires and we find out which mentor might be best for them in regards to the industry that they'd like to enter within, 
within finance, like investment banking or Forex or options or real estate, you know, you name it, we're going to find the person that's right for them. Wow. How long has this taken to even get to the point where it is today from the inception in 2015? Uh, if you could put a number on your growth annually, what, what's it been? Six years. Six years. Okay. And well, I mean, if you say like a percentage, like every year you increase your membership by X amount or... I'd say we we've probably we've had pretty exponential growth thanks to the grace of God. Um, you know, just word of mouth, the more people that are out there, let's say each person gets two people to join, you know, and that just keeps going from there on out. It's exponential. I like that you said the for, by the grace of God because there's such a difference between emotion and and God. Uh, I didn't think I'd ask this question, David, but take us take a go at it. What what is the difference in your experience and your understanding of having a God-based presence and moving, moving through life with that and emotions. Well, I think it just guides me morally and gives me the purpose to kind of help other people in their lives, as well as I thank God for being able to bless me with my opportunities and to be able to have the foresight for a lot of events and, you know, my intelligence overall, you know, I, I credit a lot of my trading and how far I've gone to God, and how about even centering you as a person? Oh, 100%. Um, it just keeps me balanced. Um, my religion and my morals keeps me on the right track. On that right track. What if, you, we talked about the goals of membership. You said you know, 100,000 members in a, a year is not too far-fetched. What, how, uh, what makes you put that number kind of out there? Is it as, just a simple goal or it's like, no, just based on our experience? Well, I think it's possible if we just, if we, we we're at where we are from doing no marketing. We have done no marketing, really. We've done a couple of things, but in retrospect to an actual marketing team, we have done no marketing. So I think once we really ramp up our marketing, we can get there because we have a good product. People can see our product. They can have a trial run in our Discord and hear everyone, and they'll people will vouch for us and show their accounts even in a lot of cases um, and show their successes because I, I don't think I've had any losers who've taken my course. <laughs> we haven't had any losers. Wow, that's excellent. Is it because you're also drawing? Uh, would you say you're kind of drawing at the top of the – uh, uh, cream of the crop people who are interested yeah well i think if somebody's willing to take that step to invest in themselves and get on our program i think that's the first step if they're not willing to take that first investment i don't think that there's somebody that we really want you know you have to be willing to take that risk put some money out there and have skin in the game because if you don't then how how do you expect to put skin in the game in the market very well said. This is the Innovators Radio Show and podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with David Crouch, founder and president of TikTok Club. For more information, you can visit the website at tiktokclub.com. That's T I C T O C club.com. And our public services for the Sanguine Valley Gun Club. Uh, David. Share with us your experience and why uh, they mean much to you. So the St. Valley Gun Club is very important to me because they look out for veterans that come back. And my dad's a Vietnam War veteran. And when he got back, he got spit on at the San Francisco airport. So I, I know firsthand from my dad's experiences. Um, 
how badly our veteran community gets treated sometimes and they get they don't get looked after veteran suicide rates are very high and um you know the organization is really to look after our vets care for them give them a place to be themselves relax and kind of take the take the stress off them get them any help if they need it and um have a community for them so they're very very close to my heart excellent now, David, about the uh, university, what have you done or you're doing in, within the university uh, level um, to increase memberships? Do you have you? Ha- I know you have organizations at universities, but I'm curious to hear, you know, how you either set that up or how you're doing with that. So it's funny. So it, it all goes down to the word of mouth. A lot of friends who um, are at these Ivy Leagues know somebody that's in our program and then they see, oh, how'd you get all this money? And then they say, oh yeah, <laughs> we're learning from uh, TikTok, the investment organization. And then so they join our Discord and then they like it. And oftentimes they'll start up a chapter at their university. We are almost at every Ivy League school. We are almost there. Uh, is your Do you have a goal to go, why not be in every single university since the university themselves aren't offering this? I'd like to. I'd love to. Um, you know, I think that we're very, very set apart from any other investing club that I've seen out there. Um, I started my group because I didn't see anyone that was good out there, <laughs> to be frank. Because um, I said, if there's nothing out there, I'll do it myself. And that's another reason why I started the group. But um, yeah, um, we'd like to be in every single state. Right now, we're in 32 states and 29 countries. We almost have more states than we do, uh, or we almost have more countries than we do states. But um, we're getting there. Soon, we'll have all 50, and we're just building away at our the amount of chapters we have, and it's it's fun. If you taken a look at how many uh, universities and colleges in the United States, I don't know if you ever found out that there is a fi- pretty finite number of them. It's got to be, I'm just asking a question. I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but if you. Uh, I have not. Okay. To see how many universities, how many colleges, private, public, in every I single state. A couple hundred. A couple hundred thousand, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple hundred a couple thousand. Thousands. thousands that are doing this. At some point, do you see the universities ever adopting it and putting it into a program within their curriculum? I think if it's at the at the university level for a private institution, it'll have to be run by one of our chapter leaders. As far as the overall curriculum goes, um, we're aiming towards being in the California curriculum, maybe within the next three years for high school. And then from there on out, um, we plan on going into the federal school system. Okay. So now you have the high school system. So it it sounds like the focus is education, correct? Correct. Okay. Not so much the private sector, but within education talk about the gen z and why that is important obviously you are but why is it specifically important for you to educate the gen z (laughs) well um not to be rash but i don't think the millennials are really going to fill the spot in the finance sector so that leaves the gap open after um you know gen x and the baby boomers are gone in the finance sector that just leaves the door wide open for all the young guys to get into the finance industry and just really start building that longevity in their careers and for the finance industry they're on out a lot of stability for the future mm-hmm. so you're you're looking what 20 30 50 years plus ahead correct f- from today <sighs> this is outstanding what else I want to touch back on that that word that accuracy because 
all the questions that uh, I'm so curious about, and uh, you're, you're answering them, but you a- answer them like you've heard, either heard them before or you've gone through it molded in your mind. Is, is that true, David? I just answer the questions as they come my way. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not even much preparation. It's just, there's just a great centeredness to, to, be, uh, uh, for, to do what you do at 19 years of age. Is that something indicative of the kids you went to school with or the students you went to school with? Or is it just kind of your, uh, your own uh, persona? I think it's just my persona and how I've kind of sculpted myself and the kinds of people I've been around growing up and trying to keep a level of professionalism in my everyday life. I like that you sculpted yourself. Go into that a little bit. How do you sculpting yourself? Very few people talk about sculpting themselves unless you're a bodybuilder or something. <laughs> well, you know, um, staying in the right crowds, um, being polite to everyone, not because, you know, we don't have time to wish for the downfall of anyone else. We just have time to, you know, focus on ourselves, right? So just focusing on myself, um, sticking to my own lane, helping people when I can, um, trying to create opportunity and just carrying myself in a level of professionalism because you never know um, somebody you meet, you might be doing business with them. So you always have to stay professional. Yeah, stay professional, but also personable. And, yes. and you're definitely personable with this. David, is there anything, uh, I'm going to ask you not just once, but a couple of times, can you tell us a couple of things that we may not have talked about on your show today that you feel is important for your audience? I think something that's very important for people that maybe aren't in college yet is looking at the student debt bubble and understanding that, you know, maybe a college education isn't that worth it anymore. Maybe I need to get focused on other skills and go into industries that don't require a college degree, like the finance industry, you don't need a college degree. At some prestigious firms, you might need a degree, but if you're good at the craft and you have a license, you could do whatever the heck you want. You know, it's much better than, and you can start right away with your license too. It's much better than having about $400,000 of debt on your back after college and then whittling away to pay that off. And I think that gets overlooked a lot because people don't understand debt. Yeah. Share with us your understanding of debt and why it's important to understand. People don't understand the toll that it will take on them and how hard it will be to pay it off. You know, some people go 20 plus years without paying off their debt. And that prevents them from doing other things in their life and expanding their lifestyle. Now, although your focus is Gen Generation Z and within the college systems to get them to get, um, call them kids, started early to at least understand this, not just to get uh, have a passion for it because some will, some won't. But this is seems to me is applicable at any age and for any generation. Is it true? I think it should be a secondhand skill of all of Generation Z, and that's something that we're trying, that we're really striving for. We want every single member of Generation Z to be financially literate. It just creates there's there's unlimited possibilities that can come from that. Financially literate, Generation Z. Now, go into the mindset that one needs. Oh, how about this? Let's try this. Go into the mindset of what what one doesn't need or what mindset won't work to be financially literate that you've seen. If somebody's closed-minded and thinks they know it all or they have a lot of arrogance going into it and think they're already a good trader, they won't benefit 
from anything or the program because they're not going to be picking up anything. They're just going to think, oh, well, I already know it, so I don't need to do that. I don't need to focus on that. I don't need to read other things because they think they know it all. Um, so arrogance is the downfall of a lot of traders. How about just students in general? Because a lot of the topics right now are not <laughs> about financial literacy. That's not, <laughs> that's not the general consensus around at least the United States that that's what everyone's fighting for is to have better understanding for financial literacy. Give it to us. Give it to us. <laughs> Why is it hard for the, them to accept and understand that? In your opinion. Um, I don't know exactly, but I, I know that, you know, if you're very driven, it's going to take you much further in the finance industry. But if, even if you aren't, and it's just a passive thing for you and you just look at it, it's, you're still going to pick it up very naturally. It's a very, I'd like to say financial literacy is a very innate thing for most people. And if you just go through things in a fluid manner, it just gets picked up as time goes on. It's just repetition, repetition, repetition. Planning your life ahead. So much of us, uh, uh, don't. And it's obviously it's not just taught. And if you don't have a natural curiosity for it, or you're not in a position to really be driven to go, I, you know, you don't want to ever experience that again. Can you share with us just what you've experienced, how people's lives have changed for the better, for the better, just as a person knowing where their finances are and knowing where they can be in four or five years versus not knowing like how it really affects people's emotions and mental state i think just planning ahead gives you a lot of a sense of security in your life right you have a plan you stick to it, and the plans can change right be open to having the plan be fluid and adaptable but write down that center plan and that'll guide you you know i um since i was 14 i wrote down a 50 step plan and each one of those steps has three steps within those. And each one of those steps has all the people that are going to be needed for those steps and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. So just writing down a, a plan and goals, you know, I think writing down your goals is everything. Because um, you, you subconsciously start focusing all your energy towards those goals without knowing it or not. So write down your goals, make shoot for the moon, right? You know? Uh, most people won't shoot for anything at all. And, you know, if you're not shooting for anything, you're not going to get there. But if you shoot for the moon and you get halfway bad, you know, that's way better than most. So true. David, are there uh, any other suggestions or recommendations you have before uh, we commence our show and definitely have you back again? I think that people just need to take more chances, be a little risky, but not too risky. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, one might say. Mm -hmm. Um but just be willing to take a little bit of risk and keep building off of that and take more risk as you build yourself up. And, you know, like I said, the worst thing anyone can say to you is no. So take opportunity and take a chance at things. David, it's been a real honor and pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you very much. And again, I hope you come back. We, we, we hope you I'd love to have you back again uh, in the very, very near future. Thank you, David. Thank you, Tom. You've been listening to the Innovators Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been David Crouch, founder and president of TikTok Club. TikTok stands for Today's Investment Commitment, Tomorrow's Optimal Commodity. TikTok is an organization founded in 2015 to educate students in the financial field and help guide Generation Z along a path to financial literacy and fiscal success. Their goal is to help students Make and earn enough money so they can pay for a college education at any university of their choice. 
50% of funds raised go to a nonprofit. That's just incredible. For more information, feel free to visit their website at tiktokclub.com. Again, that's T-I-C-T-O-C club.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another mission-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, or game changer committed to smart ideas, innovation, and entrepreneurship well executed. I'm Tom Dioro. The Innovators radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location. The audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos and chief engineer Mark Lawrence. And the executive producer of The Innovators is Tom Dioro.